Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. And as we're beginning, I want to greet everyone around the world who's listening via podcast. This, is, this week is the 10th anniversary of our podcast. And we have uh, listeners in more than 100 countries around the world. So we may be few, but we're not few. Many of us together around the world are uh, opening our hearts and our ears. So greetings to everybody out in the Pacific and out in the Atlantic somewhere, people in Hawaii and the continents north and south. I think the only continent we don't have listeners on is Antarctica. At least they haven't signed in from there. But uh, a, a warm welcome. Aren't you glad that what we do together can have an impact around the world? It really is wonderful. And it's great to hear from people who are turning to the Lord uh, because of the good news of Messiah. Well, today I, w- I want to talk about a theme that Rabbi Yuri uh, spoke of last week about ministry being spiritual and practical, and they're not to be separated. You see, when we serve God and we serve each other, they're both spiritual ministries and their practical ministries. And we can see this in the life of Abraham. The Lord called Abraham into a lifestyle of ministry, a lifestyle of service. Uh, We see this in the life of Yeshua. He really did come down from heaven. He really did take on a human body. He really lived among us, and he demonstrated a lifestyle of service, a lifestyle of ministry. Remember when he said to his disciples, I came like one who waits on tables. I came like a waiter. And remember when he was washing their feet? It wasn't just a spiritual thing. They had dirty feet, and it was a mess. And if you've ever washed people's dirty feet, uh, you know it's not always pleasant. But the spiritual ministry and the practical ministry go together. We also see it in the apostles' teaching. Faith and action go together. There were some people who thought that belief was separate from action, but Yaakov James, the great apostle, said no. Faith and action are connected together. And the action that we have is making our faith visible. And if we try to separate our faith from our action, we'll do harm to them. The love of God and the love of people go together. How many of you believe Yeshua taught us about that? Two great commandments, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. If you try to completely separate them, you'll break them. If you try to separate faith and action, you'll break your faith, And you will break your action too. Your faith will be diminished and it will be harmed. And not only that, the things you do in life will also be harmed. You'll do less. You'll you'll do it in an insufficient way. You'll do the wrong things. If you try to separate your love of God and your love of people, you know what? You'll break your love of God and you'll also break your love of people. 
They're not to be disconnected. They're joined together. They are part of one whole. And when you unite your faith and you, together with your action, when you unite your love of God and your love of people, you'll bring glory and honor to the Lord and you'll have more contentment in life too. Because you will start appreciating people who you wouldn't appreciate any other way. You'll start appreciating situations you might not appreciate in any other way. Years ago, we were in fellowship. Uh, We had friendship with some Christian pastors who were sincere in their understanding of uh, replacement theology. They sincerely believed God was finished with the Jewish people. And you know what? God used them to bless us anyway. There would be times where they would pray for us and God would use them to speak things which we understood and they didn't understand. They would even, I remember one of them was praying for Sandy once and said, you're, a, you're called to be a mother in Israel. And you know what they meant? They meant a mother in a Christian church. That's what they meant because that's how they were thinking. But do you know what the Lord meant? A mother among the Jewish people. And so their words were correct. Their understanding was completely incorrect. But many of the things that, uh, many of the words that God gave to them were so precise and so useful. Years later, we, we met with some of them and said, we want to tell you something. Thank you. That even when you, you had your understandings about replacement theology, God was still using you, and, and we wanted to tell you how. And so we told them many of the things that had happened uh, in our life afterwards. And you know, one of the guys said, my thinking about the Jewish people changed since then. But when God was using him to bless us, he had wrong understanding. He did not consider the Jewish people any priority whatsoever. Now, if we'd been offended by that or we said, you know what, you're so bad, you, you probably aren't even a believer, we would have missed out on a blessing. Now, it also humbles us because we realize that every one of us gets certain things wrong. Uh, do you know that about yourself? That you're not infallible in your faith? You are not inerrant in your understanding, you make mistakes. How many made a mistake already today? Congratulations, you're human. We all do that, right? When, When you realize that your love of God can empower your love of people and that he forgives you, he's tolerant with you. He wants you to know the truth. And he does tell us what? The truth will set you free. It won't put you in bondage, it'll set you free. He wants you to be committed to the truth, but he also wants each one of us to understand we're not perfect, he is. And he's loving us now with our imperfections, and he's seeing beyond our imperfections so that we can learn to receive love from him in order to give love to other people like that. Don't wait until someone's doing perfectly before you encourage them. 
Don't wait until they don't need any more encouragement because everything's fine. Find people who are discouraged. Find people who are, who are, who are messing up and they, they don't even know if they can go on and find a way to encourage them. Find someone who doesn't deserve and give to them the same blessings that God gave you because we don't deserve, really. Now, when you serve in a ministry in the congregation, I I want to encourage you to unite your faith and your action, unite your love of God and your love of people. And let me be practical about this. When you're on the schedule for ministry in the congregation, make sure you come. And you come on time and you come and you're ready and you're ready to serve. Make sure you do your work with a great attitude. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it just because you have to. Bring the best attitude that you possibly can. And make sure you do your work with excellence. Because when you do this, you know what? You're showing your faith by your action and you're showing your love to God by your love of people. When you are faithful in these ways, they might seem little, they might seem too small to you, they might not seem important to you, but in God's eyes, your love of people and your love of him cannot be separated. So when you show love to people, you're showing love to him. Take it seriously. And I'm so glad that, that many people in our congregation get this and take it seriously. When, when you're walking in the unity of faith and action, the unity of love of God and love of people, your life will be better. It will get better, and it will keep getting better. Now, in this week's Torah portion, we also see that the ministry of hospitality is combined with faith. This is important. Hospitality by itself is good. How many people like to eat? How many people like to have a place to sleep? It's good to be hospitable. It's good to have hospitality shown to you. Have you ever gone uh, to a place where you ended up staying with strangers, but they were believers? How many have been in that circumstance? And, And you had the experience that those people showed you hospitality, and maybe some of you had the experience of becoming friends with such people. They started as strangers, but they turned into friends because of that hospitality. Well, it's good to be hospitable all by itself, but what's even better is hospitality that's combined with faith because it becomes powerful. And if you, if you read the Torah portion this week, and I want to encourage you always to, to come to services having read the Torah portion, that gives, that gives God a little bit to work with so that you're already thinking about it, your mind is familiar, you're, you're, uh, you're ready. When we read about Abraham in uh, Genesis chapter 18, you can turn there and we'll look at that, some scriptures. We see that his hospitality is combined with faith. And um, when, when you're hospitable and you combine your hospitality with faith, you'll find that you're praying with people who you might not pray with otherwise. You're praying for people 
You're praying for one another when you gather together. And, and you will start seeing Yeshua in the people that you welcome. When, when you're approaching hospitality with eyes of faith and a heart of faith, you'll realize the people you're serving are not just hungry mouths. And they're, they're not just people who are busy, you know, trying to get something to eat or drink. But you realize that they belong to the Lord. And you'll show the Lord some love by showing them love. And that's one of the reasons why I encourage you when you're ministering in practical gifts like hospitality, be alert because there's spiritual importance to the practical ministries that you're doing. And I can tell you this, if you read in the Bible, you'll see that the the Levites were called to do practical ministry. Some of my forefathers had the job of carrying stuff. They were schleppers, Levitical schleppers. That was their job. Carry this to there. Put things together. Uh, Connect this piece with that piece. Set everything up. And you know what? God called that worship. Now, I must come from a group like that because there was another group of Levites who could sing and play musical instruments. And I didn't get any of that. But I don't mind schlepping. I don't mind carrying things. I don't mind putting things together, putting... I'm not all that handy or mechanical that I'm getting more so in my old age. But I can tell you this, when you're doing practical ministry, when you're putting your effort, your strength into what you're doing, it's spiritual ministry too. It's not that one is spiritual and the other is practical. They're, They're the same. All ministry, true ministry, has a spiritual component and a practical component too. So what we can say is our action is important. What we do is important. So if you're sitting near someone, smile at them and just tell them what you do is important. What you do is important. And then it's not just action, but it's also attitude. The attitudes of our hearts are also important when we're acting. And so smile at that person again and say, our attitudes are important. Our attitudes are important. (laughs) Now let's look at Abraham's example from this week's Torah portion. Turn to Genesis 18, verse 1. It's interesting. Quick summary. God and angels show up at Abraham's tent. And Abraham is hospitable. He's welcoming. He's personable. He's gracious. He's generous. He's eager. He's friendly. He decides to be a blessing. You see, he's taken seriously that God will bless him, and he's experienced blessings from God. And so he's also taking seriously this word from the Lord, be a blessing. So you could say that to someone sitting next to you, be a blessing. You could also tell them this, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm committed to blessing people. But are you only going to bless the people who are sweet to you already? The people who already like you? And uh, you can bless the people who need blessing and don't deserve it. Well, chapter 18 of Genesis, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as Abraham sat at the entrance to the tent during the heat of the day. Wow. Poor Maimonides still wrestles with this. 
uh, can't make sense of it because it says the Lord appeared. And uh, the Torah is clear. Moses is clear. The Hebrew language is perfectly clear. God made himself visible and appeared in the time-space world at a very specific place. Do you see it? It's by the Oaks of Mamre where Abraham was sitting at the entrance during the heat of the day. So specific place, specific time. This wasn't a vision. This was not heat stroke. It wasn't a hallucination. It wasn't uh, a mirage. This was the Lord who showed up. Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and there in front of him stood three men. On seeing them, Abraham ran from the tent door, ran to meet them prostrated himself on the ground and said, my Lord, if I found favor in your sight, please don't leave your servant. Do you see that eagerness? Do you see that welcoming? Do you see how uh, gracious and, and generous he is? Please let me send for some water so that you can wash your feet. You can wash your feet. You see, Yeshua took it an, another step. I'll wash your feet. You learn to do that for each other. Abraham says, I'll get some water, you can wash your feet, then rest under the tree, and I'll bring a piece of bread for you. Now that you've come to your servant, refresh yourselves before going on. Very well, they replied, do what you've said. And Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, three measures of the best flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a good tender calf, gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. And then Abraham took curds, milk, and the calf which he had prepared and set it all before the men, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Do you see that the, the great action that Abraham takes here? With such enthusiasm, these are perfect strangers. He's not even sure who they are yet. And he doesn't know why they've come. He just knows it's hot out there. And they need refreshment. And so with great generosity, with great eagerness, with great enthusiasm. But it's not just personality. It's not just that. There's also faith involved. Abraham is doing this in response to the faith that God has given him be a blessing. When you go the extra mile, sometimes when you just do things in a normal way, you're doing well by the Lord. I've had friends who had these great ideals. They wanted to have covenant relationships with people about this and that, and they drew up all these fancy documents and certificates, and when you uh, got close to them, they wanted to talk about making a covenant and it reminded me a little bit, I have to tell you, uh, when, when we were kids and we wanted to be blood brothers, it was like play acting. I mean, we didn't really want to cut ourselves. <laughs> we didn't. But I mean, I remember one kid poked his finger and started bleeding, and the rest of us said, well, that's not for me. <laughs> what I'd rather have are people who are just normal. And live in a normal way. Their yes is yes, their no is no. They talk in a straight way. You can understand them. If they make a commitment, they do their best to fulfill it. They, they, they uh, act with kindnesses. They, uh, 
they're faithful in what they do. I'd rather have that than some lofty thing that people say they aspire to but then don't do it all and then hide behind their certificate of covenant relationship. To me, it's, it's funny. It's, it's like little boys rather than serious. But I see Abraham had the character of a wise man. He lived out the very things that God called him to do and to be. He took seriously uh, this expression of hospitality. He took seriously this welcoming attitude. He took seriously this idea, be a blessing. If every one of us were to do that, if every one of us were to measure ourselves and say, am I being a blessing to the others that I am responsible to, to the others that I'm serving, to the others that I'm working with, to the others even in my house, in my family, in my classroom, you know what? The world would be a better place and we would have better lives. Now what Abraham doesn't know while he's doing that is that God's come with a plan and a purpose and he already has timing in mind. So right after Abraham has done all of this, then he finds out the rest of the story. Can you imagine if Abraham was sitting out there by the tent and said, man, it is stinking hot here. Oh, man, I see some people coming. I hate strangers. And he goes inside the tent and just hides himself. What would that have done? Or if imagine they came and he just sort of looked them over and gave them the litmus test. You know, do they pass? Who do they know? Do they know the right people? Where are they from? What if he just put him off and said, I don't know you. You don't know me. On your way, Buster. It makes it clear that he showed his love of God by loving them. And he treated them like neighbors. Remember, Yeshua was asked, well, who's a neighbor then? And Yeshua makes up this great story about who the neighbors, who acts in a neighborly way. And you've got the priest and the Levite, the worship leader, you know, the good Jewish ministry leaders. And all of them are too busy to take care of the stranger who's bloody by the side of the road. And they would cross over rather than stop. Because they got to get to the worship meeting and the conference and everything else they're they're doing. And then this um, Samaritan who has bad doctrine and replacement theology, among other things, and only comes from uh, a people that has half Jewish background, mixed background. This is the one, the Samaritan is the one who approaches the the guy who's wounded lying on um, on the road, who's been beat up by thugs. And he takes that man to... Uh, a place where he can rest and where he can be taken care of and he leaves money and pays for everything for his care. And Yeshua just asked this question, so which one act like the neighbor? And what's terrible is it was the Samaritan. Do you get how terrible that is? So if you're a liberal, then it was the conservative who took care of the person. If you're conservative, then you know who took care of the person? The liberal, right. 
If you're a Republican, it was the Democrat who took care of them. If you're a Democrat, it was the Republican. You see, it was specifically designed to stir people up and to get them thinking and to put off prejudices and to connect faith and action and love of people and love of God. It was very disturbing. Yeshua seemed to like to rile people in the way that he did it. So that in the end, you'd have to think harder than you were thinking before about these important issues. So Abraham is being very nice. He's being very generous. He's eager and enthusiastic. And he uh, takes good care of these folks, these mysterious folks. And then look at the next verse. This is verse 9. It's Genesis 18, verse 9. And then they say to him, where's Sarah, your wife? Now that is a little spooky, wouldn't you say? He doesn't know them. They don't know her, him. And they're asking by name. I'd be protective, wouldn't you? And Abraham says, she's there in the tent. Now, I don't think it's that he's not being protective. I think faith is at work in him. And he senses something spiritual, something godly is happening. Have you ever been in that kind of situation where you couldn't, you couldn't figure it out? You didn't fully understand it, but the Spirit of God was leading you into something, and you willingly were saying yes, even though you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. I think that's what's going on. And so Abraham says she's there in the tent, and then he says, and this is interesting, I think it's very clear who the he is, I will certainly return to you around this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Who do you think that is? I think it's the Lord. I don't think it's an angel angel. I don't think it's a, you know, a winged being of any kind, or even an angel cloaking himself as a man or appearing as a man. I think it's the Lord, and the Lord does come uh, as a man, not just once. Some people say, well, where's Yeshua in the Torah? Well, take a look. The Lord says, I'll certainly return to you around this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have, have a son. When we serve with faith, not just according to our personality, not just according to what we like to do, but when we serve with faith, when we combine our faith and our actions together, and we combine love of God and love of people, it becomes powerful. It opens up blessings we could not have imagined. Paul was talking about this to the Corinthians who, who loved spiritual gifts, but they didn't have a good understanding of love for one another. And they would do some things in a chaotic and uncontrolled way. And he said, I'm going to teach you the more excellent way. Spiritual gifts are given for the building up of other people. Do you get that? Not for self-satisfaction, but for the good of other people. It makes a difference to other people. And that's why you have to use your spiritual gifts and your acts of service with love. Because without love, it's empty. And it's not authentic, and it won't be fruitful. So Abraham is, is experiencing this from God's side. God is showing him that 
real life, the life of faith, is practical and spiritual. You're going to have a son. Here's how it's going to be. And God is showing him real love, too. What is the deep yearning that Abraham still has? It's for a son, right? So Abraham's service was spiritual and practical as faith and actions were united. And then we see, um, if you read the Torah portion, you'll, you'll go into detail. Not, at, not long after that, the Lord talks to Abraham about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they become intolerable to God. But God is going to come down and he's going to take notice of them. And he's come because he wants to bring justice and cleansing to the earth through this. And what does Abraham do when he hears about this? The first thing that he does is he prays. He talks to God about justice and mercy together. He intercedes And he looks for a reason for God to withhold judgment. Do you remember how he says, well, what if there are 50 righteous there? Would you destroy the whole place if there are 50 righteous? And God says, you know, for 50, I wouldn't do it. And Abraham's thinking, well, what if there aren't 50? And he starts whittling the number down. And God basically says, if you find righteous ones there, I won't. I won't destroy it. But if there's not enough righteousness, you'll be able to rescue Lot and his family, and that's it. And they'll have to escape. They can't even stay. But Abraham has the right attitude. He's looking for God's mercy, and he's looking for justice that's combined with mercy. Justice that's separated from mercy isn't really justice. It's not God's justice. His mercy always is working with his justice. And you'll notice something. Abraham isn't gloating. He's not vengeful. And he's not saying, (laughs) yeah, those stinking sodomites. Now they're going to finally get what they deserve. I knew they were rotten to the core. It's about time, Lord, you did something. Abraham keeps that heart of intercession to be a blessing. Now let's look at Yeshua's examples and then we'll wrap up here. What was Yeshua's first public miracle? Changing water into wine, right? So he contributed to the wedding party. He turned water into wine. It was a real wedding, right? It was a real party, right? They had real water, right? And what had they run out of? Real wine, right? He could have said, you know, drink this water and pretend it's wine. No, he turned the water into wine first and then he gave it to them. But it was cheap wine, right? Mad Dog 2020, you know, mugging. (laughs) No, it was really, really good. So Yeshua knew the difference between the cheap stuff and the good stuff. But do you see how his faith is combining with his actions? And his love of God and his love of people are united together in that? Now, one of Yeshua's final acts, he cooks breakfast for Peter and the other guys. And it's real fish, right? Not spiritual fish. It's real fire that he cooks on. 
It's real cooking. And clearly, this is not the first time that Yeshua has cooked. You understand that? He knows you got to clean the fish. You don't cook them with the guts in. You got to... Um, you got to prepare everything. The fire's got to be so hot. You've got to have implements. You can't just make a fire and have fish and say, okay, now what? So Yeshua was ready for this. And it was real breakfast. And it was a breakfast that made it into the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? How would you like one of your breakfasts to make it into the Bible? Practical ministry and spiritual ministry, you really can't separate them. They are united. And Yeshua is showing mercy and kindness in his hospitality because he's restoring Peter. He also is opening up the minds of the disciples. They hadn't been able to understand the scriptures correctly. They didn't didn't see the whole message. They couldn't make sense of the details. And they didn't understand that suffering preceded resurrection and redemption. They were against suffering. How many of us are like that? I'm against pain, my pain. There's a, there's a physical condition where you can't experience pain. It's called leprosy. It destroys your pain sensors. When Yeshua is getting ready to go up into heaven, he promises to send the Holy Spirit once he returns to heaven. And so think about this kind of love that he's showing. And he's, he's calling them little children, and he's telling them, you know, our Father in heaven has great things for you. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to you. You need him. He's the helper. He's the promised one from the Father. And he tells them that he'll fill you up and he'll give you power and he'll pour out spiritual gifts upon you and he'll cause you to be fruitful spiritually. And the Holy Spirit will go with you, he'll go before you, he'll lead you, he'll teach you, he'll remind you of things, Yeshua told his disciples, things I taught you. He'll equip you. You'll be able to effectively minister to other people He'll encourage you so you can encourage other people. And then one last example, Yeshua shared his value system with his disciples, what he considered important. And do you remember, he talked about the end of days and, you know, like this final reckoning and he'll be meeting people and saying, thank you so much. I want to thank you personally for the way that you took care of me. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to tell you how much it meant to me that that when I was hungry, you brought me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you brought me something to drink. And when I was locked up in that prison, you came and you visited me. I just want to tell you, I really, I haven't forgotten for a minute what you did for me. And people will say, I, I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't remember doing that. And Yeshua said, ah, oh. well, I tell you what, when you did it for this other one who was of no account in the eyes of others, you were doing it for me. Because I valued that person. And when you fed a hungry person, 
And when you, when you took in a stranger and, and when, when your family, they lost their home, you know, your kids lost their job and you brought them into your house, I took that as service to me. When you united your generosity and your spiritual gifts and, and your actions together and you united your faith and your love of God with your love for people, I took it personally. That's what Yeshua says to us. I counted that as the most important demonstration of real faith and love. It meant the world to me. Matthew 25, 35, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. When you reflect on that and you say, okay, he's talking about Abraham too. Abraham, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. You didn't even know who I was. When I came by your tent that day, and I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When, when I came there and I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I haven't forgotten anything. And that's why the testimony of the apostles is 100% consistent on this both the apostles to the Jews and the apostles to the Gentiles. The one who wrote Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 said this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers because by doing this, some people have shown hospitality to angels and they didn't even know it. Paul wrote the Romans. Paul, apostle to the Gentiles, wrote the Italians living in Rome. Share with the holy ones, with the saints who are in need. Practice hospitality. Not think about hospitality. Practice it. Peter, apostle to the Jews, wrote this, 1 Peter 4.9, show hospitality to one another without complaining. Do it from all of your heart, from the bottom of your heart. You see, this is, this is so clear so clear that when you unite your spiritual gifts and motivations with the practical work of ministry, when you unite your love of God and your love of people, then it really counts and you can make a difference. You can make a difference anywhere and everywhere. So it's an important message for us. We're living in times where people don't know how to show normal kindness to strangers and don't know how to show normal kindness to people who disagree with them, who are their Samaritans. So let's be true disciples of Yeshua. Let's really be sons and daughters of Abraham. Let's get it right. And, and let's... Let's get our hearts right with God and our hearts right with one another. And you know when we do? As you're out there just minding your own business, doing good for others, God's thinking of how to do good for you. And he will. 
He'll do what you can't do for yourself in just the right time. And when it seems impossible, it'll be that stranger who shows up and says, oh, by the way, I have a word from the Lord. You're going to have that child. You're going to have that breakthrough. There's going to be that healing. There's going to be that reconciliation. There's going to be that new job. There's going to be that, that, uh, that new opportunity for ministry you've been looking for. This situation that you thought could never change, it's different. You'll see it within a year. Lord, I thank you that you're so kind and gracious to us and so eager to serve us and let us be the same. Let us be faithful. Lord, let us put into action the things of our faith and show you love by showing love to one another and to not neglect strangers as we're doing this. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Please rise if you're all by yourself. Find someone to not be by yourself with. Shalom. <laughs> the Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.